everyone, thanks for joining us for another episode of The Jazz Scene, giving you an in-depth look at the music and stories of the musicians performing on our stages here in Columbus. In today's episode, we continue with our Young Composer Celebration, hosted at the Jazz Academy. In part two, you'll get to hear four more compositions, including a composition by a very special guest. Our first composer on today's episode is Will Strickler, a bassist with Mojo Flow who also plays around town here in Columbus. You'll get to hear two compositions and some dialogue about his influences. Thanks for coming out, everyone. It's great hearing you guys. Uh, Kyle on drums, Justin on sax, Jake on piano, and Will. Um, this first tune is called NFG. I guess we'll give Zach a second to see if he wants to <laughs> ask any questions. What's NFG stand for? <laughs> I know what it stands for. Uh, it's got a long story behind the title. Basically, I was writing this. Um, I was writing this last year, right around the time my buddy Chris uh, was. Uh, we got asked to do this thing for the voice. So I was like split between. I just started writing this tune that I want to submit to this jazz uh, contest, composition contest, and then this voice, like super pop music type thing, opportunity came up. So I was trying to decide if I was still going to work on this tune, and I'm like, oh, I really want to do this, but I should be like. You know, just practicing this really simple but like groovy stuff for this other thing. And I was getting really frustrated and um, trying to decide, like, oh, you know, should I do both of them? Should I just give up? You know, not worry about this one and do do the voice thing. Um, so uh, I finally, like, you know, I forget it. I'm just gonna, uh, just gonna go ahead and write this and, and make something happen and not worry. You know, not try to overanalyze it or try to write the best thing ever, but just get get something down. Um, so, uh, NFG, no, uh, no cares, another four letter word, um, that's five letters, <laughs> five letters, I guess, yeah, um, no cares given, um, coincidentally turned out that there's a, there's a rock band I played in, uh, uh, like my freshman year of college called NFT, so this tune had a little bit of a, I think the harmony suggested a little bit of some, some, some rock type progression, so I was like, well, whatever. This means it's a convoluted meaning, but it means something to me, so that's the title for it. So here we go. One, two, one, two, three.
Encompassing uh, two of my favorite things, uh, Indian food and heavy metal. So both of those kind of make an appearance.
part about writing for you? What's the last thing to come together with a tune? I say, I think, uh, I think kind of what John was saying, but uh, you know, having a concise, concise idea for the tune, and definitely, uh, especially slow motion so most, because I went through a lot of uh, you know, trying to write out, like, can I make this drum section, you know, bigger? Can I have a big intro on it? And uh, I think especially writing this kind of setting, you know, I really try to write tunes. My goal, at least, I guess you guys can answers for me, but uh, write tunes that are, you know, fun to play and easy, easy to, relatively easy to play too, you know, so you're not, you know, don't have your head in the, you know, the chart, you know, trying to like, is this hit coming here, is this coming here, you know, for a setting like this, I want to make it real open and, um, you know, especially let, let everyone's ideas, ideas come in, so yeah, trying to keep it a concise, concise thing, I think is the hardest part. Okay. So this is an open question. Where where do we compose? Not physically, like geographically. Like, what instrument do we compose at the most? Piano. Piano. piano? Yeah. Guitar mostly. Guitar mostly. Yeah. Um, I try to stick to piano because I think if I write too many things that like work well on my own instrument, sometimes it's really weird. Because I tend to write like, is idiomatic the right word? Right. Mm -hmm. Like things that fit my horn, but it might be like really difficult to sing or yeah. play on bass or something. Yeah, I'd say piano for sure. So then, Jacob is a piano player. You might try to maybe get out of that a little bit. What's that process like for you as being a piano player, writing at that instrument, but being able to kind of get out of that? I guess it'd be trying to just write away from anything, like without any instrument, trying to just write down what you hear. Yeah, that's kind of. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I don't have another place to go. Kyle, you compose, right? You you just did your scene recital. And you did at least one original, didn't you? No, just they were all just like arrangements. arrangements. But you do write. Yeah. 
So well, where do you typically get your ideas from? Like, where do they come out? At the piano? Yeah, it's typically at the piano. I mean, like, I usually try to do like a keyboard or something so I can mimic some other sounds and ideas rather than the only color I have there. But besides that, I'll do some writing at the kit. Just kind of like, if I have a groove or a feel I really like, I'll just like try to build something around that because, I mean, this is what I express myself on the most. So. Does anybody compose using like software, like GarageBand, or layering things on top of yourself type thing? Any thoughts on that way of doing it? Dennis, you do that? Uh, not for things like this. Uh, for other settings, I've done that a lot. Sometimes I do that exclusively, kind of to get off of any instrument, because right. then I don't fall into any patterns, and I don't hear it until it plays back, or you know, hear it like in one stupid sound at a time. So it's like you don't know what it's kind of. Either I know, like, okay, these intervals are going to sound like that, or I'm not, I'm kind of trying to consciously not know, so, like, I get to hear it for the first time when it comes together. I wrote an album a few years ago, and the whole thing was written on the computer, and then I went back and learned how to play all the parts, and it was, when I finally, when I finally heard it come together, I programmed the drums, when I finally first heard it all come together, it was like, oh my god, <laughs> this is actually <laughs> but do yeah, the plug. It was. Do the plug. It's such a good album. It's not this setting. <laughs> but uh, no, yeah, I I try deliberately to do different things as much as possible. Yeah. I heard an interesting story. Uh, we did a master class at Capitol with Byron Rooker, lead alto in the CJO. And Byron's, he's got to be at least he's got to be in his mid sixties. And he's been playing forever. And in the last seven or eight years, he said he's gotten into recording himself, like writing everything with, with recording software. Um, so he layers in everything down to the drum stuff himself with a MIDI controller. And he's talked like it's just changed his life. Like he can do things that like he would have never really done, that it comes out his way. He kept saying, like, that comes out totally the way I hear it, sort of un. Uh, affected by people's influences or, or rehearsing it and running it through and then rethinking it. It's like, it's all, you, your hands are like right in the middle. Um, which I thought was interesting from, from someone who's that far in his career to, to now be liberated by technology yeah. in his yeah. 60s. I was like, whoa, that's kind of cool. Because uh, we kind of take it for granted that we've got those things at our disposal. That's how Chris Johnson writes all of his stuff. It's really? logic. Yeah. And he layers in and it, it really... I think he would say the same. It frees him from, because when you see the score played out in like finale or something, you're thinking of like all the other times you've written academically or you've uh, seen big band scores and you're seeing the layering of parts. Like for me, it's helpful to see that, but I think most people that you would talk to that do that, they feel liberated. Right. Do you guys hear, now these are broad questions that don't have one answer, but when, you, when you're hearing a tune, and you're getting it out, whether it be at the piano or otherwise, do you get like one idea at a time, like a melody, and then you kind of have to figure out how to harmonize it? Or, or you, I'm not good enough as a composer to, do, to hear kind of a lot of things come together at once. So it's, for me, it's like one element slowly layer on top of the other until I get something tangible. Does that make sense? Do you guys have any thoughts on that? I think the process I've been trying to do recently, for a while, I was doing, you know, I'd start with the melody, and then try to figure out the harmony to it. And what I've been trying to do now is take a melody and then 
put a countermill, basically put a baseline to it, and not worry about, you know, oh, what kind of chord is this going to lead to, you know, um, and just, yeah, have that baseline and then that melody together, and then go through and figure out, fill in throughout there what, uh, yeah, what the harmony is going to be. So what, what do you find as a result of that? Is that, is that uh, more freeing to do that? Yeah, I think it's more natural in a way. I think my earlier process of trying to have a melody and then coming up with, well, I'm going to try all these different chords. It's much more trial and error, more kind of academic, like, well, let's see, what if I make this melody, you know, like a sharp 11 and try to make it, you know, is this, is this going to make a hit versus just like, what's a bass line that sounds real melodic with this and sounds good? And then just try to hear that more intuitively and then fill the rest out. Anybody else try that to write two un, not harmonic elements and do harmony last? Mm, I, I think for me at least it's uh, each song comes differently. Yeah. You know, like they're not all the same thing. So sometimes I write one, like a whole song in one sitting, and then sometimes I'm like, well, this melody is terrible, so I delete it or I just throw it out and try to. You know, I feel good about one section, so that's my home base, and then everything I'm trying is on top of that. It's kind of what you were saying. Uh, different techniques, you have to be comfortable with all of them. You guys are pros. You <laughs> have it all down. <laughs> this is so good. Nice. Well, thanks, Will. Yeah. So, you want to do? Uh, do you want to do Zadie? Yeah, sure. Yeah, you can just have one. So um, we kind of have a cool little special addition to this, which is Josh Heinmarsh on guitar. Uh, Josh is a guitarist that now lives in Australia. He's, he hails from New Zealand, but uh, lived in New York for a long, long time, and has played with a lot, a lot of people. Uh, if you guys have been to Park Street Tavern when he's in town, you've heard him play, and he sounds really great. Um, and Josh writes tunes as well, and we're going to play one of his here in a few minutes uh, after we play my tune. Um, but I thought it would be cool uh, uh, after we play my tune, Josh, to hear maybe some thoughts that you might have as somebody who writes. Um, but first, uh, we're going to do a tune of mine. This is called Z for Zadie. Uh, Zadie is my niece. She was born on January 19th uh, in the midst of a bunch of January birthdays. My wife is the 14th, I'm the 29th. Zadie's now the 19th. My brother is the week after mine. So. It was a really happy time, uh, and, and I don't know if you guys have siblings with ch children, but like that's a whole new phase that kind of starts to change the game a little bit. Uh, people start asking me, so when, you're, when are you next? All that fun stuff. But, um, but Zadie has, like, if you haven't seen any of my social media stuff, she's like full of red hair, really cute. And as we knew she would be, because his wife has red hair as well. So I was thinking one day about this redheaded baby. And even before she was out, and I knew she would ever in here. Um, and like Greg said, I'm somebody that, that I've got like the relative pitch thing down, um, which helps to make up my lack of actual like, uh, you know, harmonic skill. And um, so I can think of, of melodies, and usually, especially like diatonic harmony, I can find pretty quickly to go with these melodies that I think of. Um, and so I thought of this melody, and I had to really check myself for a while to, to see, like, are you stealing something you've heard before? Uh, which I know you guys probably deal with, too. Have you guys, you guys go through that? Yeah. I'm stealing myself, too. 
steal from yourself. Yeah. yeah right. I already that. Right. Um, so this was one where I, I heard this this melody that you'll hear, which has sort of a descending quality, um, and then it kind of it, it, there's this note. There's sort of these pivot notes that go down, and then on the bridge it comes back up, and, and the whole thing starts over again. And it's just a cute melody. And I was able to come up with the chords just by I realized that I wrote the melody with the guy tones kind of like playing his day in the melody. So I was really able to hear, oh, this is gonna, this is a two five to six, and oh, that's a two five. Oh, we're going to four. Oh, and it sort of just happened. Uh, and then I realized that what I had written was kind of what you might call like a bird blues as the A, um, yep. with like a blues, like a Charlie Parker blues, like with a major seventh sort of tonality and all these substitutions um, that go to four, uh, and then do that again. And then I wrote a bridge on it. Um, and and the sort of my process, I don't, I'm not really good at piecing all this together and knowing what I'm doing until like much, much later. So things come together really slowly. Um, so this one took me a long time and, and when you hear it, you're like, that doesn't sound like it would have taken anybody very long. But I think the result in that, and Will, you talked about this, was trying to write something that's easy. Like all I needed was, and as you'll hear in the harmony, I think there's only one, there's two measures that are not diatonic in the key of D major. Uh, and it's just because I wanted something to feel like jazz. <laughs> so I was like, I'm so, I'm so, so I decided like I need a two-five here in the bridge that's from another key, and it's not really that far away either. It's just a two-five to uh, to F in the key of D major, which is not terribly. It's not like the most offensive thing you ever heard. Um, so this is Z for Z. One, two, up one. Thank you. 
Sunshine Coast. So I call this one Sunshine Coast because it's kind of a beach melody vibe. And um, and uh, <coughs> concert. Yeah, yeah, concert. I tried to make this one as simple as I could. <coughs> it's just rhythm changes. Uh, no, no, uh, nothing else really to it. But I've made it a samba, a samba sort of Latin vibe. And. Um, writing it was um, just sort of the melody just came to on a very sunny day when I was sitting in the back of the music room where I'm staying um, down there and um, it took me all day to write like it took the whole afternoon just and, and which is funny because when you hear it you think this is really simple and, but that's always my goal with writing is my goal with writing is to one day be able to write something like Bag's Groove then um. <laughs> I've made it <laughs> so this has got a few more notes that bags group, but not too many more. So uh Thank you. 
Josh, why don't you give us your thoughts on on uh, your process as a writer? You've you've played with. I was reading your bio today. You've played with like a lot of guys. Yeah, yeah. And you've you've probably you've probably interfaced with people that are older than you and older than us and and young. And, and so, what's your approach as far as compositionally that you can give to us, sort of collectively, advice? Give us your secret, Josh. <laughs> well, there's, there's plenty of great composers around here and everywhere you know, that I sort of aspire to be as good at writing as. Uh, and Pete Mills is such a great composer. This piece is uh, really fantastic, um, the lines and, and his stuff. Um, so if you ever get a chance to play his songs, and he's got a whole catalogue of them, um, that is... That is, uh, and, and he's a good model of someone around here who's put out a lot of CDs with great players as well. So not only as as the uh, for the technical side of things, but also for like the making a career uh, happen. Uh, so that he, so that you, you know, if you if you're after having like a catalogue of music written and produced and published, so to speak, in the form of CDs. Then look look at his uh, his approach, uh, and he's done a lot of things that have been interesting. Which one of them is um, he's written a lot of stuff on contrafacts. So that you know we all know what that is a, a, a new melody on a, on an old uh, harmonic form. And um, the one thing that allows is is it to be it allows your music to be played with whoever you're playing with wherever you are, and. Um, so this one, that's one of the things I try and did do with this song. It's a simple song, it's, there's not really much to it. But it, it doesn't matter who I play with, where and where I play with, you know, where, which gig it is, which venue, who the musicians are, it's always going to work. And I think that's the consideration now <clears throat> that we all sort of want to think about when we're writing so that, so that we can perform our music rather than it just be one CD that we've played with one group and then three years down the track everybody may have moved to other states or have got jobs where they can't rehearse. You could bring new people in the band, they haven't learned the piece. So your music sort of withers on the vine and dies, so to speak. So I try and sort of think of uh, longevity with songs and make them to be able to be uh, sort of added to my catalogue, if you like. and, and Try and make things as simple and strong that they can, that I can sort of take them with me wherever I go. So that's my that's my. If, if I was ever to give advice or, or ever to be asked for advice, um, that's what I've seen the great players that I've played with do, and that's what I aspire to do. And there's people around here who do it too. So that's probably the uh, the biggest point that I my my guiding principle. Thanks. Cool. Well, if you could be so kind, just spread the word about the fact that we do this kind of stuff. I think I think we're at the point where we're just trying to get the word out that we do this stuff. And really, the programming uh, since I've been doing this this position has been trying to be driven by you guys. You know, by the that you put a lot of time into. And I know for myself, it takes me forever to write a tune. When you write it, it's like you want to be you want to at least for a moment not just play it, but also feel like you can share the idea behind it and interface and grow and learn and all that fun stuff too. Thanks for putting in the time to get something together. Thanks all the, the band people that jumped in and learned these tunes quickly.
Jacob, Kyle, all you guys, and thanks. We want to hear your feedback. Visit our podcast website, jazzarchgroup.org slash thejazzscene, and leave us your comments, questions, or suggestions. A big thank you to the Fort Hayes Career Center and Ryan Van Bibber for lending us our talented audio engineer, Jesus Hernandez. Our theme music is by Michael Cox. Our producer is Vanessa Gabriel. And funding for this podcast is provided by the Jazz Arch Group of Columbus. I'm Zach Constant, and we hope you catch our next episode of The Jazz Scene.